Ward Scott Files Advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Like warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. <laughs> Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning, Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly. A little bit nippy. Manly Warthog Bank. Hey, we don't let that bother us. Come on now, we can handle it. We are in the piney woods of North Central Florida. And there is frost on the hot tub covers. Let's put it that way. We do have our little nippy day today. That is nippy. And, um, you know, be that as it may, I can tell you how we really know here is the cows are following us everywhere, looking at every pickup truck that comes in here to make sure there's not, come on, where's that roll of hay in the back of that truck? So um, we are all caught up in Mother Nature here as I, hopefully you get a chance to do that other than going through the produce section of the supermarket. But that's less and less of an opportunity for people. But I digress. We are also in the Mellon Law Studio, which is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida fighting gear. And uh, protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention. John Pastore, Randy Elrad. Randy Elrad, John Pastore. Home-built business, as most of our sponsors are. Home-built business. Caliber Coffee, taking a sip right now. I'm sure a wonderful Wednesday. Ted Yoho is as well. Uh, we're going to enjoy our chit-chatting today with Ted uh, about anything you want to talk about. Shoot it through the line here for me to see in the chat room, and I'll take it up. We never seem to run out of concerns, and there are several we'll address today because we've shared a few documents ahead of time with each other. But I think, Ted... The one I'd like to start off with is one on the list that you came up with. Oh, golly, time flies when you're having fun. And that's leadership. Let's talk about Iowa. Oh, man. And, and I'm going to be quiet and let you uh, go on about what you think Iowa means. Both uh, There's an article that's come out just now on Breitbart about how already Europe is going to have to change its behavior. So I'm going to let you... Uh, you know, teach me something here. Well, you know, leadership is paramount to so many things, pretty much everything um, affecting us in our families, in our lives, in our cities, our communities, our nation, uh, around the globe. And you can have good leadership and you can have bad leadership. You can have effective leadership, ineffective. And, um, you know, with what's going on in Iowa, I think is speaking uh, very strong at the sentiment of the American people. You know, I want to take people back to pre-Trump. You know, there was this angst in America. There was something missing. Something was off kilter. Uh, it just didn't feel right in America. And I remember that was one of the things that made me run was what's happening to America. And it's a, um, a generational change in what's going on. But some things need to stay the basics. You know, traditional values, family values, you know, the things that America stands for, the red, white, blue, liberty, freedom, the Constitution, those things are kind of etched in stone. And I've, heard, I've said this before on, on your program and elsewhere, that the Ten Commandments are the Ten Commandments. And you don't stray from them. You're supposed to follow them. And so when you look at leadership in America, it affects so many things. It affects our education, our health care. Uh, the price of energy or energy security. It affects so many of these things. And then it extends beyond our borders. Um, and it's, it's like having the big guy in school that's your friend, that you know he's going to do the right thing. And so you want to align yourself with that. And we don't have that today. And that's why you're seeing, uh, like you brought up, you know, after the Iowa caucus, I think these other countries are starting to say, you know what, that guy may be back into the White House. And so we are going to maybe change some things, you know, whether it's 
how we respond to the Ukraine war or what's going on with uh, the Israelis and the Palestinians, what's going on with uh, BRICS, you know, the um, Brazil, Russia, Iran, China, uh, Saudi Arabia, and these other countries that have joined this monetary um, um, monetary um, alternative to the U.S. dollar. And this is something that's really going to devastate America and our the value of our dollar. We've seen historical devaluation of our dollars in the last 15, 20 years, and that's why things cost so much. And again, this goes back to our leadership. And that leadership, you know, goes to Congress. If Congress would get their act together, which, I mean, that's probably the biggest uh, thing we could hope for, but it's probably the biggest thing that won't happen, um, and get our debt under control, we can start bringing the value of the dollar up and decreasing the, the continued devaluation of that. And there again, this goes to leadership. And if, if Trump is the nominee, which I think he will be, and I think he will be elected, bar any extraneous circumstances, um, if he would be willing to tell Congress, you bring me bills on spending reduction that will supersede me, extend beyond his presidency so that a president can't come in on a whim and say, we're going to give, uh, uh, we're going to write off all student loans. We're going to do this. We're going to do reparations um, and put it in the law to where that next president can't do that. That would be leadership. But that also takes power away from Trump. And I thought long and hard about this. If he were to do that, and you could say it can start after my administration or, you know, three quarters of the way through my administration, I'm giving power back to the people, back to the Constitution, back to the legislatures where they should be, the spending bills, the printing of money, all these things that have gone awry for the last 200 plus years. If he were to do that and set a course for this nation, not just him, but any president, set a course for this nation long term, um, I think you would see the rest of the world rally around America and that would be strong leadership. And so it's going to be interesting. You know, when I served and Trump got elected, there was mixed reviews. A lot of the South American countries thought he was the worst thing that could have ever happened. Uh, they missed Obama. They wanted Obama back in the White House. And this shows you the sentiment of these Latin American countries or South American countries that they, they like that progressive agenda. And of course, they're all tied into the UN, you know, the, the SDG goals, the Sustainable Development Goals, there's 17 of them that we've talked about a lot on your program. And uh, if people, if, you, if your listeners will go and read those 17 points, that is what a lot of the world is following. And when Trump came into office, he says, we're not gonna become subservient to the UN. We're, you know, we'll, we'll be advisors but they're not going to dictate us. We are not giving up our national sovereignty. And, um, you know, I think uh, England did a good thing when they left uh, the, the Brexit and they left the European Union. And I think more nations will do that if you get somebody like a Trump versus somebody like a Joe Biden and a Kamala Harris administration that wants to sub, um, subjugate our freedom and our sovereignty to the UN, to the World Health Organization. And if we do that as a nation, these other nations around the world that are liberal democracies, for lack of a better term, they're going to say, hey, yeah, that's what we're going to do because it's easier to go along with the flow. But countries like Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, they don't really care because their goal is to take over the world. And those four countries, Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea, the best thing they can do is collect collectively join together to destroy America, and then they're going to fight each other because they don't trust each other. And again, if we have strong national leadership and strong foreign policy that's non-interventionist, um, um, you know, I think the world would be a safer place and Trump is on the, on the path to do that. It'll be interesting how he does in New Hampshire. What do you think? Well, when I see the word leadership, I see teaching moments. Yep, yeah. And this is what really bothers me, Ted. You get the president of the United States. He has the most powerful bully pulpit in the world. He can call everybody to the classroom anytime he wants to. Mm -hmm. But kids ain't coming if they don't believe the teacher. Right. 
That's right. And that guy lost his credibility before he ever got there. People don't even believe the election. They know it can't be for us to put a guy like that at the front of the classroom. Are, are we nuts? So when I see, let me give you an example. See what you think of abortion. Okay. Biden uses abortion to slam the Republicans. Sure. Hello, anything new about that? So when you come to class, you already know the lecture. You yeah. already know the right answers. You don't even have to think. Suppose you came to class and the president said, listen, I go where you want me to go as the people. Here's how a republic, constitutional republic works, my friends. The states control abortion. It should never have been in the constitution. So we're turning into a teaching moment. Mm -hmm. Then tell them, if you want to change it, send me the change order. That's I right. That's exactly right. Yeah, send me the change order. But I can't just impose it. I can't do that about gun control. I can't do that. This is your United States. I have never <laughs> heard. I've never heard no. anybody talk to the bully pulpit like that. To me, it's a bunch of, it's a, it's a red pen issue. Let me give you another example. There was a, a, a woman's advocate for abortion. She was talking about how the Republicans had run over women's health. Well, hello, I took a red pen, I graded the paper, and said it's not women's health. It is the right of the unborn fetus to live. We've already decided that if it truly is woman's health, we've got laws that take care of that. So stop lying. Yeah, you they know? put it under that category of uh, woman's health. You know, that, that, that in itself says that pregnancy is a disease. You know, if, if yes. that's the way they go after it, they make it sound like if you're pregnant, you have a, this fatal disease. And uh, they and that's why they they went on that argument. In fact, uh, the the election that was held in Florida at the state rep uh, level, um, that was a Republican seat. A guy named Tom Keene won it. Uh, I think it was last night. And his issues was abortion, affordable housing, immigration and education. I think it was. Now, how are they going to make affordable housing? You know, one state legislature is legislator is not going to affect housing. You know, you got to look at the price of gas, the inflation. You got to look at all this stuff on a national level that affects us here. But the abortion issue, that is something that is a state issue. And it's a, a terrible decision that anybody has to make. But it should be at the state level and get it out of the federal government. As so many of our programs are, they, they need to be. Uh, removed, um, uh, well, I called it a devolution of uh, agencies from the uh, federal government back to the states and let the states take care of that, which the Constitution says, and take away from the federal government that which they shouldn't be doing that they have been doing. And that, that again, that would require a strong leader in Trump. And, you know, when you ask the question about leadership, I went to saying, let's go back before Trump. There was that angst in, a, in the country that created the Tea Party movement that came in because people just didn't like what was going on in our country. You know, we were getting away from American idealism, American ideology, and all these other things, and people didn't feel right. Of course, it was more the older generation, but you and I both were at a lot of the Tea Party rallies, and there were plenty of young people, you know, the First Amendment, Second Amendment, all these amendments that really do matter for the people that are educated in those and Trump is but a, uh, a, uh, he's the, the symptom of the real underlying problem that's affecting this country. And um, Joe Biden is the antithesis of what you and I grew up in America with his administration and the people in it. I mean, just look at his administration and look at the things he's done since he's come in that he's built on Barack Obama's agenda of fundamentally transforming America. Um, we need to fundamentally transform Washington. I've said it over and over again, and I will not back off of that. That message needs to get out, and it's up to programs like yours to educate people that Washington is the entity that needs to be fundamentally uh, transformed. No kidding. 
And, you know, I chaired an affordable housing committee for about a year during the city of Washington. We called in everybody. Of course, I could do it. I could call what I needed. And we had people testify before us. Skyway and Crooked. What affordable housing means is one simple question. Who pays? Somebody, there is no such thing as affordable housing, except all housing is affordable, depending on who pays. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we had to wrestle with, okay, what about the land on which the house sits? Where's that coming from? Right. Well, we decided the best place for it to come from would be the generosity of the municipality would get involved and make a sweetheart deal, kind of, with the builder, which would be the antithesis to the way they think now. Right. You want to stick it to the builder and uh, see if we can't make something happen. Then that house is going to appreciate. Who's going to get that appreciation? Yeah. So there's lots of questions, Ted. So when you see, as you know, when you see these oversimplified kind of flashing neon signs, hey, step right up. Step right in here and see the affordable house. You know what I'm saying? Unfortunately, when I was a kid, I went to too many fairs in the country. And I used to always go to the freak show. And to me, the freak show was the way it really was. Step right up and see the hairy baby. Well, that's always stuck in my ear, you know. Somebody is hollering about the freak show. So um, but education, back to my point about that, you can actually measure that. You can, you can not cheat on it. You sent me these articles about diversity, equity, inclusion. Well, all <laughs> I knew you would is, say that. <laughs> yeah, I can't help it. The devil makes me do it. Um, it's code word. It's code for for reaction. It's, mm -hmm. it's code for we don't want meritocracy. Right. It, you know, exactly. Yeah. We need to stop the coded language. So that's another thing. About, if I were a president, maybe I need to create a list, Ed. If I were a president, I would turn these things into teaching moments. And then I'd say, go get your local teacher's aid. Who is that? Well, it's your congressman. It's your senator. Go get them to help you with this now. I mean, it really, to me, it's so clearly set up. But what do we get? I think one of the most embarrassing moments, Ted, and I take it you were there when it happened. I never seen anything like it. Is Nancy Pelosi to tear up the State of the Union address. Oh, man. I'm going to tell you something. That was the lowest of the lowest moments in my short time on Earth watching the United States government at work. I couldn't believe it. That was probably one of the... That had to be one of the most disrespectful things to do on a national stage to really, it was an insult to this country and everything that had been built up to this point. Uh, and I have to agree with you. I was there. I was in there when she did that. And it was unconscionable that she did that and that she didn't get held accountable. She didn't get censured. Uh, the media didn't go after her. Um, you know, she just gets praised and they, they've got a room named after and there will be all kinds of things named after because she was the longest serving uh, female speaker of the house. And she was she was so warped in her her constitutional beliefs that I, I just it, it falls back to the citizens that elect her and the machine that's around her. And again, this is a machine that got Obama in there, that kept him in there, that put Biden in there, that cheated to get him in there, um, that is hell-bent on destroying America, and they're doing it right in front of us. Uh, and it's happening. And it, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, when it when the final nail gets driven, it'll happen overnight, and we will notice that, and there'll be angst and gnashing of teeth and turning of heads, as in the Bible. But uh, until then, we can just sit there, complain and moan, and uh, tell you tell how bad it is. Um, you brought up affirmative action and affordable housing. Affordable housing, if we go back to the 50s and 60s, one, one spouse worked. It was usually the husband. 
the wife took care of the family. They did, they, they got the kids to school. They did the house cleaning. They did all that. And I know that is anti-ERA, um, but it's the way it was. I mean, that was just what happened. And you could afford a house. My brother and I were talking about this the other night. In the in the forties, I think the average house cost cost about six thousand dollars. My my wife's parents bought a brand new house in the sixties, furnished. It was a three bedroom, one bath in in Pompano Beach, Florida, and I think it was under eleven thousand dollars. And so, the American dream. One of the hallmarks of that is owning a house. You know, live the American dream, own a house. You know, because it's a way, best way of creating wealth and things like that, generational. But today, uh, for a new person to buy a house, we bought a starter home while we're building our new house, and this starter home costs two hundred and I don't know forty thousand dollars. Wow! It's about a third of an acre of land, no upgrades, and it is as it is, and that's a brand new house, and um, and so inflation has driven this up, and that's. If we want to get things back on track, we have to attack those things that are causing this. And then you brought up affirmative action and you were talking about uh, 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 ESI, <laughs> equity, inclusion, and uh, oh, EDI. Uh, yeah, diversity. diversity, equity, and then clue. Yeah, DEI. Affirmative action. If, if people will go back and research, Obama wanted to get away from affirmative action. And you can hear his interview. And the reason was, he says, it didn't go far enough. It didn't address reparations. So look at what's going on in the news. Now there's New York, California, other states are looking at reparations. This is coming out of the Obama agenda. Uh, and it's, it's not going to end unless we cut off the head of the snake in those policies, not the person, but yeah. throw those policies out and equity, diversity, and inclusion is is a symptom of that. And that's one of the heads of the other snake. They're all hooked together. Talking with Ted Yoho on Wonderful Wednesday. Wonderful. Game for it because it's Caliber great. Coffee. Caliber, yeah, Caliber Coffee, by golly. Ford 15, you get 15% off. Well, we cover topics, hopefully, that matter, and we cover them, hopefully, honestly. You know, Ted, one of the things I've learned, this show is just word of mouth. I don't have any bus wraps. I don't have any billboards, you know. Think about it. Um, it's all people saying, well, I'll give you an example. I went to get my ears set out yesterday, as you can tell. Um, and my barber is a sponsor on the show, Style Cuts. Mm -hmm. He told me that a man had come in, sat down in a chair, and he said, the man, the customer said, he listened to the show all the time. So my barber sponsor said, why do you do that? He says, because it's the truth. He says, I can hear things there said in a way I can't hear anywhere else. That's probably real true, isn't it? Yeah. And I've learned that if you ever compromise that, you don't get those listeners back. In other words, once they start thinking, you know, you're, you're blowing smoke, you know where, or yeah. you got an ulterior motive. Um, I kind of like the fact that really none of us is doing this to become a superstar. You don't sit in to make money. You know, I don't get up every day to make money. I don't make any money at this, you know? That's not the deal. Uh, the deal is teaching. The deal is yeah, what I was talking about a moment ago and uh, sharing it with the people as long as I can. But um, we don't have a big staff, you know? Uh, we got a research team and they feed me a bunch of things from the community, uh, but they're not an official, you know, employment uh, right. group. So that's the way I like it. I mean, this is about a pure form. Organic. Huh? Oh, communication. Organic. I'm no sorry. GMOs in you. No, 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 no. Uh, so anyway, um, that's my take. And I know that 
it's important to let the people know that you're doing the, if you don't know it, say you don't know. It. I mean, really, I mean, I don't yeah. know. You know, you don't know. But I'm looking at your list here. And this leadership, if you really cut through it all, and practically everything else is a subset of that. Obamanization of America. Mm-hmm. That became the signature of his quote unquote brand of leadership, did it not? Um, sure it did. The oh, debt, change. And change. Uh, yeah. The debt is a the, lack of leadership. He say poetic. <laughs> Cisse Poeti in Spanish is hope and change. Yes, we can. And that's the same phrase that Hugo Chavez used in Venezuela to convince the people to vote for him. And you can see what state they're in. And that's where we're heading. Well, taking a look at the chat line here, uh, Plantation Mark is complaining uh, that he says he won't get a haircut. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's keeping his ears warm. Yeah, we are right now getting Hold ready. up the nose that part of the country. Oh, yeah. You know, Virginia is a strange state, is it not? It really is a traditional southern state mm-hmm. with Republicans. The Democrats were now Republicans and had great leadership at one time. They How sure did. did. The only way I can figure it flawed is by being a bedroom community of D.C., it really is. In fact, Jerry Conley is a representative there, and he is um, the he's the poster child for the liberal progressive Democratic Party. Uh, anything to do Republican, you're you're racist, you're bigot, you hate Trump. You, you know, really? Oh, he is. And I was talking to him about an ag issue, and I said, you know, your ag ag people in your district would love this. He goes, I have a zero ag industry in my district. Well, there's and a problem. There's a problem there. I'm like, well, no keep screwing them over and you'll have zero food in your district. And oh then you'll God. pay attention. Oh, boy. Yeah. We're coming up on our awards weather break in a moment. I will do that. The temperature on one of my computers here outside right now is 30 degrees. Is um, it really? 30 wow. degrees. 36 so, uh, over here to the river. Yeah, that water probably makes a little bit of difference. Um, yep. Just going up into the low 50s today. And uh, that's okay. We'll take it for a while. It never really gets rid of those insects, though, does it, Ted? You know, I was working over at our house, and uh, it was 5, 5.30. And it had to be dipping down to the 50s. <clears throat> and a, damn mos- a darn mosquito was flying around my head. Amazing. Um, of course, there's a lot of exposed skin there for an easy pick. Ah. All right, we're going to take a break here on the wards. Uh, All righty. Back up in this my caliber coffee. Fill the caliber coffee right back on. Give me a weather report on wards weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, 
thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Welcome back to the Ward Scott Files with Professor Ward Scott here, by golly. And we have got uh, Ward's Weather, brought to you by Lewis Oil. Fossil fuel, Chevron stations, great people, great outfit. Fill up with Chevron. Well, the story on the weather, as you probably know, around our parts anyway, is cold. And it's not just here. It's basically all over the country. There is a new storm now headed throughout the Midwest and the Northwest. It's going to be clobbering the Northeast again. It's going to be uh, sparking more ice storms, more God-forbid <laughs> traffic. Can you see how it gets piled up in these cities? Um, even in the ski resorts, it has stimulated the dreaded avalanche, and people have been buried, heaven forbid, in that avalanche. Um, we are now probably in the thick of it in January and February. So... Uh, the headline here from one of the, let's see which one, uh, AccuWeather that I'm reading, says relentless rounds of lake effect snow will bury towns this week. Well, 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 there you are. If you're in Florida, you know why you're in Florida. At least your town will get buried by snow. Come with uh, uh, a wonderful Wednesday here with Ted Yolo. Um, Glad to be here. And uh, we're drinking a caliber cup, caliber coffee, caliber uh, coffee, and the, say Ward Scott 15, and you'll get 15% off. Now, we've been talking about a list that Ted came up with oh, a while back, and nothing's changed. Ted, uh, let's talk about the articles, particularly if you want to lead off with it, about the Louisiana governor and DEI in the medical boards. This has been an issue here. I just learned a couple of days ago that the <clears throat> that came in the fall to the University of Florida exactly right is gone. Oh, it is gone. And she's gone. They somehow, some way, moved her out. I think it took some drastic moves. The entire orthopedic surgery department left the university, is what I've been told. I don't want to report that as fact right now. That has been rumored to me on very strong uh, information by people who are directly affected by that. And I got to say, I think, Ted, that has something to do with who our president is of the University of Florida. He came in here, did he not? And right away said none of that anti-Jewish anti-Israel stuff here and put down his fingerprint right away with the liberal faculty and the liberal students and said, uh-uh, in that place this way. And I have to believe behind the scenes was a very strong influence of DeSantis on that. I think so. And I think it's a good thing. And I, I don't think, I know it's a good thing. I mean, the way we were going was terrible. I mean, it was, and again, it goes back to the fundamental transformation of America. And to start incorporating this DEI, this wokeism, into things that it shouldn't be into, uh, those articles I sent you are a perfect example of that. And the Davos crowd, you know, the World Economic Forum crowd, are the ones that are pushing that, the Jamie Diamonds and things like that. Hillsdale uh, Imprimis newsletter had a great 
um, uh, article. It was called The Great Reset. And it basically said, if you don't go woke, woke and this was from Jamie Dimon and the other people from Davos uh, who are trying to control the world. And <clears throat> he said, if you don't go woke in your business, you will go broke. Our goal is to put you out of business. And so fast forward to what's going on with Louisiana, with their medical board. They brought in this wokeness, diversity, equity, inclusion. I can't say it as well as you do, that they're bringing in numbers to match uh, what the demographics want. So many, you know, uh, different populations, so many different races, genders, transgenders, and all that. They try to check off all the boxes. And I'm going to, as an aside, we're doing that in our foreign policy when it comes to foreign aid. Uh, they have all these boxes they check out, transgenderism, what are you doing for all this stuff, which is it's just sickening. But here in Louisiana, you know, Bobby, not, uh, not Bobby Jindal, but Jeff Landry got elected as the governor and threw out the Democrat governor. And he is a strong, staunch conservative. He is true blood, uh, red blooded American that is a, a true conservative. He's not a rhino. And he says, we're not doing this anymore because these people were put out on their medical board of examiners that were pushing all of this stuff as they did at the University of Florida. And I remember when that came out in the newspaper that the University of Florida in the medical class was promoting diversity, equity, inclusion, and wokeism. And so if they're promoting that, they're taking it away from somewhere else, the time they have to teach these students. And so then you take it to industry and Boeing, the, the, the amount of accidents that they've had that were reported, the Alaska jet where the door fell off and uh, there were a couple other incidents. When you read the article, it goes into um, a whistleblower was saying that the people they're hiring today have no qualifications to do the job. They don't tighten the bolts the way they're supposed to be by, you know, they've got manuals on how much torque and all that goes into all this stuff. Um, that's the way it's supposed to be done. But Boeing management has bowed down to the board of investors that have become very woke and they're, they're in there to change a social, uh, they're in there to create a social agenda of wokeism and they should be focused on safety. And this is not just the Boeing people, but the FAA, that the Federal Aviation um, uh, Administration that monitors all this stuff um, and keep in mind how these agencies came about. The FAA comes about because of the wrecks that have happened long time ago before there were any standards. They write the rule book on how you tighten the bolt, how you do this, how you do it, everything, you know, how you check the flaps, the hydraulics. And so they're supposed to be the, the gatekeeper to make sure this is all done. Well, they changed their directive too. They're going to hire anybody that can pretty much put a, a, a mirror in front of them if they can fog the mirror. They're going to find a place somewhere in line. And now are they qualified? No. Uh, but they check off the box. You know, this person's got a disability. This person does this. And uh, it's just something you can't have. I had a, when I was practicing, I had a, uh, <laughs> one of my uh, schedulers, <clears throat> she was dyslexic. And so she would write directions down from the farmer. So you go down this road, you turn left and you go, you know, five miles in there at the crossroads, turn right. And um, I would wind up turning right when I was supposed to turn left and left when I was supposed to turn right. Oh, and boy. so we had to have a talk to her and straighten her out. So if I've got somebody put my plane together and this was, yeah. this bolt's supposed to be turned right and this one goes left and they do it wrong, you can see the problem. But this is being mandated by our government through Pete Buttigieg to the transportation people. And that goes to Boeing and the Boeing is bowing down to their investors. It's, it's insanity. And you brought up meritocracy versus checking off a box. People should be advanced based on what they do and how well they do it. That's the American way, really. Give a little background on what Ted and I are talking about. Uh, Louisiana now has a new governor, very conservative. And the governor is responsible for selecting the 10 members of the Louisiana State Board of Medical Examiners. Right. And that board regulates the state's physicians and healthcare workers. And it's chosen members from lists of 
physician nominees that the medical schools and other straight state groups put forward. But if the paperwork of the government orders, so to speak, uh, these nominees to be appointed from it, a certain, um, shall we say, minority background, which is the case, then you have got not necessarily, we're not saying it couldn't be, but not necessarily the best criterion for getting the best selection. So this has become a battle issue, as it should be. Uh, and the irony of this, as the article points out, if I'm reading it right, um, Ted, is it was meant to increase that diversity of the medical board. Right. But it should never have been used at the exclusion of meritocracy candidates. Right. That's, that's, that is where things blow up. Well, and again, you, you got to look at, uh, you know, I keep going back to Obama. He said affirmative action. He, he thought the best thing that would happen is it would go away because it doesn't go far enough. And one of those things was reparation. But the other thing is, you know, it, it's weakening our workforce and trust in, in um, agencies and all kinds of professions. You know, you, you got to start wondering now who's operating on me or, you know, is this person the most qualified? And uh, it's a very dangerous place for us to be. And, and you, you open up the show talking about leadership. Um, if America starts faltering on all these different segments of our society and industry and medical technology, you, you're not the leader anymore. You're just somebody, they, they look at you like, I don't want to be anything like those people. And that's what we're seeing around the world. You know, And that's why you're seeing uh, these different countries pivoting away from a democracy type of institution to a more authoritarian type. And, um, you know, it's just, again, it comes back to leadership and that leadership should have a vision. And you brought up Ben Sass, and, um, you know, hopefully he has a, a vision for the University of Florida. I mean, they're already the number one in the, in the nation. And hopefully they have things that they can expand on that to make it even that much stronger. Uh, but it's going to take leadership and leadership. You have to get the buy in of the people behind you. And this is something I kind of faulted Trump on it. He demands absolute loyalty. And in my book, you don't demand loyalty. You earn loyalty. And it becomes by being that leader, being that teacher that you talked about, you know, inspiring people that they want to follow you. You can't, you can't dictate that. I mean, look at Putin. He dictates loyalty. And if you're disloyal, you're gone. It's the same with Xi Jinping. You know, imagine the potential... I, mean, I hope that Trump recognizes the moment. There was some conciliatory language from him yeah. yesterday. Imagine the potential for leadership if he would make a course correction in his practices of leadership. He should have learned the first time through there some things that he should redo the next time. Right. And that is how to give credit how many people think that they were involved, you know, uh -huh. uh, but at the same time, go after what we're sending him there to do, if that's the way it winds up. And I think based upon what he said at the end yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, I lose track of time when it gets cold. Um, I think it's possible. Uh, you need another cup of caliber coffee to warm you up. Another right? cup of caliber coffee. And uh, by the way, this cup, we have two cups, Ted. One says, Mr. Always Right. The wife gave me this one today. It says, Mrs. Always Right. Mrs. So always breaking right. from the Mrs. Always Right. And promoting that. That's good for you. That's yes, uh, but, you know, the other thing about this aircraft story, this crosses not just party lines. This crosses national boundaries. Boeing is in... Japan has been affected. Uh, there was a Japanese airline, Boeing, as you see here, uh, yeah. that returned to its departure after a crack was discovered in the cockpit window. Uh, we're talking about incidents that about the whole 
industry here um, that have been fostered on the airline industry. Wow, wow, wow. Well, and at the Rhodes, Rhodes Trust, Boeing, I mean, it's world known. Everybody has Boeing planes in their nation. And if something, if they know that that's what's driving the, the mechanics, not the mechanics, but the maintenance and all that on a plane, I'm not flying a Boeing. You know, I don't care if they've checked all the uh, DEI scores. I want to know they had the competent people in there. And you're talking about Trump how he had a, a moment of humility. Yeah. Uh, one of the people I work with up in D.C. listened to him. I think it was Sunday night. And he goes, you know what? He goes, I support Trump. Uh, there's things I don't like about him. He goes, but I heard his speech and was <laughs> by far the best I've ever heard him talk because he took the spotlight off on him and he was humble in it. And so this is a Washington insider that said this. And so you know, maybe he has, maybe he has learned a lesson. He, he, he would be so effective if he governed that way and led that way, uh, not just here domestically, you know, he could bring the United States together, which is really what we need in a leader. We, we need to become the United States of America, but he could also bring us together around the world, um, not as the leader of the world, but just as something people want to follow around the world with our standards, the things that we do, because they know the Americans will do what's right eventually. And, um, and I hope he can do that. You know, um, it's going to be very interesting to watch this concurrently with um, them trying to run him out of New York City yeah. as a businessman. Can you imagine what the Democrat must have in his head, like <clears throat> Hillary Clinton, to think she can get away with name-calling 75, 76 million people. Uh, you know, what is, how does that work? I, I can't even it's imagine. Deplorable. It's deplorable. Yeah, how, how does that work? I mean. I don't know. You know, especially coming out of her mouth with the scandals surrounding her, um, and Bill Clinton been down to Epstein Islands uh, allegedly over 50 times. I mean, they're just scum. They need to go away. You look at the Clinton uh, Trust Fund or whatever it was called, the amount of monies that were in that, and then when they start getting investigated, they shut it down and all the money's gone. Um, Seth Rich, who is in the news again, and he was an operative of the Democratic National Com uh, Committee, uh, he's the one that got killed in Washington, and there's rumors that he leaked the the false narrative that the Russians were uh, doing uh, working against the Democrats, and he leaked it to Julian Assange, supposedly of WikiLeaks, that it was the Democrats that were the bad ones, and uh, he wound up dying. And again, somebody associated with Hillary Clinton's campaign. Um, they're just bad people, never held accountable. Looking at the chat room here, in case you have a line or interest that you want us to pursue, uh, certainly we'll take it up. We are talking about our leadership list. I see the debt keeps going up. That's one uh, absolute unfailing prediction we can make. I don't see it ever coming down. You know, you talk to the business people, they say it's they said it's unsustainable and it'll, it'll be the demise of this nation. And this is one of the reasons BRICS is running so strongly that people are saying they're a lost cause. There's no way they can get that under control, as you just brought up. And the leadership has to happen. Uh, there are going to be austerity measures. If we let this happen organically, just all of a sudden they wake up saying, hey, we're out of money. There will be austerity programs. Social Security will be cut. The, the social programs will be cut. All these things that we depend on will be cut. Education, all that. They'll throw as much of that back to the states as they can. But leadership was saying, hey, we've got a problem. That's something I tried to do when I was in there. And just, you know, I got ridiculed for saying, we're not going to raise our debt. And they said it would cause a collapse. I'm like, it won't cause a collapse. But it would be like having a problem saying, Hey, I've got a, a spending problem or, you know, you can't like an alcoholic, you can't, you can't 
get help or cure yourself unless you admit the problem. And once you admit the problem, then you're on the road to recovery. If America announces in the midst of the world, we're going broke and we've got to fix this. And so we're going to pull back and we're going to put our own house in order. Um, I said it would stabilize the markets. And man, the ridicule I got for being, you know, just a moron and, you know, you know, and that's just about being in politics. But had we acted then, we were 14, 13 and a half, 14 trillion in debt. It would have been easier to do than it is now. And it'll be easier to do now than if we let it keep going. But it's the, the lack of a backbone of these legislatures. You know, I've got a, a beef with uh, the way they're treating Mike Johnson right now. I was going to bring that up next, uh, Mike Johnson. Let's have an update on him. Very curious. Well, you know, he's in a tough situation. I mean, you're in the fourth quarter. You're running out of time as, as far as legislative season. They throw in a new quarterback, and he may not have. He might have fumbled the ball, maybe threw an interception or almost interception, and the team wants to throw him out and get a new quarterback. You've got a very short period of time in this Congress to get things right. I would work at stability. Let's get the government through uh, the funding crisis that's going to have here coming up here shortly and prepare for next season. They're not going to fix all the problems in this nation right now this season. You know, the spending problem, yeah, there's a lot of unconstitutional spending going on. But you can sit there and you can beat up your quarterback over and over and over again. And then you're going to wind up losing the franchise because you didn't realize that we can't fix everything today. Let's stabilize it. Let's build for next year by having a vision of where we want a party to lead us. And I, I hate the party politics because it should be where we're going to lead America. You know, this is where we're going to lead America. And again, this is where Obama was so effective because he had that hope and change and buying of where this is where America is going to go. It's a new day for America. And it's terrible. I mean, it is absolutely terrible. You see what's going on today. Uh, the older generation can appreciate it more than the younger. And so Mike Johnson's got a tough road ahead. Yes, he's going to have to negotiate with the Senate at some point, and they are going to have to come up. And if not, shut it down. And are you willing to shut it down and take the heat? Because when, when I voted not to raise the debt ceiling, I had elderly calling me, veterans calling me, people calling me. I'd go into the TSA airline in Gainesville because they got shut down and they weren't getting a paycheck. The anger people look at you like you, you know, so and so. My own daughter called me out of the Coast Guard and she was getting heat from people. I had other people call me from Puerto Rico that worked for the for the different agencies, like, how dare you do this? And, you know, you got to stand your ground. And, and when you explain why you did what you did, people said, I don't like what you did, but I understand why you did it. And I'll support you because it's got to be fixed. And um, I don't know. It's, it's a tough situation. So Mike Johnson, he walked into this. Um, I just, I, I'm just happy to know he's grounded in the right principles. And I think this will lead him through this. I don't think he's very shakable. He's not. Mike is very strong. I mean, yeah. but when you have the the weight of the nation and 300 and some million people on your shoulders and you're starting to hear all this garbage, you know, and I'm sure he gets the same thing that I went through. And, you know, I'm still getting death threats from that AOC incident. That was a, really? was a yeah, I got one yesterday. And it's just like, give me a break, man. Um, yeah, I got one I turned into the FBI two weeks ago because they threatened to kill my kids. <laughs> really? Mm -hmm. And so I bring that up because, you know, Mike Johnson, he's getting all that. His family's getting it. They're probably picketing outside his line or protesting outside his house. And as he goes through the airport, people are yelling at him. And it's, it's, it's a... It's a thankless job, but yet it's one of the most thankful jobs you can ever have. You know, it's just, it's an amazing opportunity to serve this nation. But with that comes, a, there's a price for that. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, anyways, I just wish him the best of luck. Well, I think he's going to be pretty solid. It's going to take all of his... Uh constitutional muster, if you will, 
But I think he's up to that. He's well principled. I think he is. Yeah. And if he comes through this and sticks to his guns, what he'll show is leadership. And he's not overly leadership. excitable. He's not overly excitable. He's not. No, yeah. <laughs> he's very uh, strategic. I'm just reading him from a distance, but you know me, I'm never wrong. I don't know if you never. know that. Never. The man is never wrong. Oh my God. Look at, look at your coffee cup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Wall Street Journal, while we're talking, has just posted an article. Maybe we can close out quickly. We got about five minutes left. China's population decline accelerates as women resist pressure to have babies. Right. Is that true? It is true. You know, they got, we had the one world policy or the one child policy that was put on China, you know, under the threat, you can't feed the people. You've got all these people in poverty. You've got to decrease your population. And they fell for it. And this was something to depopulate China. And um, they did horrendous things. If people had more than one child, especially if it was a female child, they throw them in the streets and people were adopted. It was, it was just a mess. And so now the women of China today, they're like, we're not having any more children. And so there's going to be forced, forced childbearing. I mean, all these things that, you know, with all the ugliness, the rapes and all this stuff that are going to happen. And if the Communist Party is involved, which they will be, they will determine who's going to be the sire of a child and all that. Because they're going to do the Aryan race that Hitler did, but it will be the Han race. And, um, you know, it's just ugly. In China right now, they have an um, uh, aging population. They have a decreased birth rate. It's going to accelerate on the decreased birth rate. And a lot of this ties into the leadership coming from Xi Jinping that they don't want to follow. You know, he's got a very strong doctrine of Chinese policy, communist policies, and um, their youth unemployment's in the 20%. Cost of housing is just skyrocketed. Inflation is bad there, and they've got lockdowns. And so it's like these people are, the women are saying, I don't want to bring a child up, and then I can't afford it. And um, I was just reading an article today where uh, there was a student beat up by other students and thrown off a building. And the Communist Party said the kid committed suicide. Um, they've got some bad things going on over there. But like Iran, as bad as their domestic situation is, they're hell bent on destroying America. Xi Jinping is the same thing. He's hell bent on taking over the world. You listeners uh, who want to take a look at this article, Wall Street Journal, um, the official figures released Wednesday show that China had fewer than half the number of births in 2023 than the country did in 2016 because China had abolished a one-child policy. And uh, <laughs> yeah, the number of children, the number of children a woman has over her lifetime it's close to 1.0 is a level considered by demographers as ultra low. Oh, that's ultra low. You've yeah. got to have 2.1 to 2.3 to maintain your population. Really? Yeah. And so when you drop below that, you have a declining ethnicity and a declining population. It's Over interesting. Last year, China's population dropped by 2.08 million. More than twice the drop in 2022. Yeah. And they're talking, we're talking numbers like billion people. I mean, my God, you know. Yeah, one point, almost 1.4 billion people is what they have. Um, it's interesting because Africa, the continent of Africa, is going to double their population by 2050, supposedly, is what the predictions are. And China's declining. And, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons they want to expand all over the world. They want more resources. Well, we're out of time, my good friends. Already? On wonderful Wednesday. Great chatting. Hopefully see you in, in a week. And uh, you guys keep the cards and letters coming. Uh, we appreciate it. Let us know how we're doing with you. And don't forget you can donate to the show. And we show that right off to production and our research team that helps us get documents. Now, oftentimes, the government wants you to pay for it. Can you imagine? Or you can get your hands on them. What? How'd they do that, Ted? Because <laughs> uh, they, they write the rule book. That's Appreciate right. Appreciate having me on. Thanks, Ted. See you soon. We'll have a great show for you tomorrow. We're going to talk about 
the GRU transfer Uh-oh. with the chair of the committee, Craig Carter. Welcome oh, right off the top. Great, Have a great, great. day. Take care. Lord of Command Center out.